So perhaps we can start with that very question. What are the contributing factors? Why are South Africans spending money that they don't have? Well, first of all, um, South Af- in South Africa, we don't really have a saving culture as such. And um, th- that, together with the fact that we've seen a lot of price increases recently, uh, which includes the interest rate hikes, uh, food prices going up, petrol prices going up, all of these things. And, uh, you know, all these price increases filters through to the prices of your basic goods and services, especially also because of the fact that all our goods are transported by road. Um, we've seen price increases in the diesel. Uh, so, so, you know, it's all small price increases, but it adds up. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, at the moment, uh, almost half of all credit active consumers are over indebted, meaning that they are in arrears with at least three payments on one of their accounts. And then a lot of people also find themselves on the knife's edge. So just small price increases pushes a lot of people over the edge, becoming over indebted. And then unfortunately, uh, there's also... Uh, a, a very big need in South Africa for financial education. You know, we send our people into the workforce after school or after varsity um, without any financial education. So now they find themselves in a situation where they can, uh, where they earn an income and now all of a sudden uh, they are approached by banks and other financial institutions who wants to borrow their money. They don't really assess the situation uh, to determine whether they really need this money. Um, rather, they just take this money and buy luxury goods. And then they start off on the back foot and uh, they start off being in debt. And eventually what happens in most cases is uh, they incur more and more debt. And uh, then they reach a stage where they want to borrow themselves out of debt. And uh, that's impossible to do. And luckily in South Africa, um, and if that's one thing that government did right, it's uh, implementing the National uh, Credit Act, uh, which then introduced uh, debt counseling, which helps people a lot and which helps people who find themselves in a situation where they are over-indebted to pay off their debt in an affordable manner without losing their assets. But unfortunately, uh, you know, not a lot of South Africans know about these uh, remedies and the help that is available. So when people do find themselves in a situation where they are over-indebted, they try and resolve the problem on their own. They try and negotiate with the banks on their own. They start to default, start to default on certain um, of, of, of their accounts and their agreements. And then the situation just beca- reaches a stage where they can't even borrow more money and uh, they end up borrowing money from loan sharks, so to speak. speak and uh, these people are not uh, regulated by the national credit regulator and they charge, charge an enormous uh, uh, amounts of interest, just making the situation worse. So what would you then suggest people do if they find themselves in a situation whereby they can see that they are about to, you know, go over the the edge? What should they do? 
Well, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, the government introduced debt counseling and it's, it's been very, very successful, especially during the last couple of years, um, during the inception in, uh, or since the inception in 2007. Uh, you know, debt counseling is a process whereby we determine, uh, what your income is and also your monthly expenses and, uh, then we're in a position to lower your installments that's paid to credit providers, putting you in a position to be able to pay off your debt and also have enough money left at the end of the day to pay for your living expenses. Because what happens in reality is that when people do not have enough money to pay for all their uh, credit agreements, uh, they start uh, you know, defaulting on, on their school fees and, and things like that. And uh, you know, then, then they find themselves in a situation where they try to just pay off the debt of the credit provider who shouts the loudest um, this month. And they start to default all over and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they find themselves in a situation where they cannot pay off anybody. So it's very important to be in a situation to afford to pay off your debt and then have enough money left at the end of the day to pay for your living expenses. Now, that's exactly what we do at Debt Rescue. And I think, um, you know, that's like I said, that's one thing that government did that really helped the people a lot. Mm. Um, people must just know about the help that is out there. But the, that is, you know, when you're already in trouble and, and you noted the fact that perhaps we lack in terms of giving people sufficient um, uh education in this regard before they get to the point where they are now defaulting, where they now need to come and speak to you, Neil. And um, this issue of um, education has been brought up several times, Gerald, but uh, for some reason, we, we don't seem to be getting it as a nation, are we? I think financial education is a topic that has evolved over time. And I think the reason why a lot of people are over-indebted is a number of combination of facts, some of which Neil touched upon, um, including legislative environment where there was a period of reckless lending and people just simply took everything they could get their hands on. Um, with the financial education, what you tend to find now is that most people are becoming very financially educated simply through experience, simply through the circumstances. So because a lot of people are over-indebted, they now know what they should have done. But the problem we have right now is how do we move people from a position of being overly indebted to being um, creditworthy again? And I think that's a totally different set of education and a totally different set of skills and interventions that is probably necessary. Because I think, you know, for us to say people are still not financially educated while they're heavily in debt, I think most people have learned the hard way. Um, but we now need an environment where we educate people how to get out of where they are and obviously never go back into this position again. Well, um, and just talking about, you know, the fact where you, uh, uh, South Africans are not saving enough, many people would say, Gerald, I don't have any money left at the end of the month. So, so how do you expect people to save then? I think that is true. I mean, savings is a habit and it's something that's habitual, which you learn over time. But the reality is rooted back in that period of reckless lending and reckless credit um, acquisition by everybody in that we all borrowed at the limit. So often when you approach a financial institution and they give you a limit, it's, it's not to say that they could give you more. It's them saying that this is the absolute maximum that you are 
able to afford. And obviously what has happened for the time is that the rand has devalued, there's been inflation, etc. Mm. So because we all borrowed right at our limits, we are now all unable to meet up with the contractual requirements we entered into because incomes have not gone up at the, at the same rate as we've devalued the rand, inflation, etc. So that's where we are now. So when people realistically do say that they don't have enough money, they're not lying. It's the truth. A lot of people are simply no longer generating enough income to meet their contractual obligations because time has moved on and the, the interest requirements and the payment requirements have also changed over time. And I think that's the situation we're in now. So although interventions have been entered into like, such as the National Credit Amendment Act to try and um, curb reckless lending, etc., for a lot of people it's simply too little too late and we need to enter now into an environment which allows people to start getting themselves out of these situations and as Neil alluded to debt counseling and debt review are solutions which do work for some people whilst other people need to simply go seek help. I think the one thing most of us think um, we can all do is manage money but unfortunately it's actually a skill and you do need to find a professional maybe a certified financial planning professional or financial advisor to basically help you to get out of this situation and we need to also educate people that with all major financial decisions do it in front of somebody who knows um, the impact of the decision so we buy houses we buy cars on our own however once we're over indebted we now tend to start seeking help um, let's start doing it the other way around let's seek help before we enter into these major financial obligations yeah, you got yourself into that situation. Think you can get yourself out? I don't know. But when we come back, we're going to um, actually delve down and try and unpack uh, some of the stats uh, that came out of the uh, debt rescue report and tell you exactly who are the ones that are most indebted, what they are spending their money on, and also we'll take your your calls on 891 22 minutes after 8, we're talking about uh, debt this morning, asking what are the contributing factors for South Africans to spend money that they don't have? And looking at some of the comments coming through uh, already on this particular uh, subject, Deboho says the number of shopping malls we have uh, tells us that South Africa has a spending culture. The first thing that most of us buy with our first salary is a car, uh, a bond condemning us to renting instead of owning property. That's perhaps what we should be thinking of, but no, we go for the luxury items, as Neil was pointing out earlier. So uh, what are your views? 891 Tell us what your situation is. But before we get to that, if we can just uh, perhaps quickly drill down into the stats here, Neil. Um, let's look at the people and, 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 and who they are, where they sit, and what it is that they are buying. Yes, it's quite interesting, um, the stats uh, that we received from our report. And uh, it shows that uh, 50, well, of, of the people applying for debt review and therefore seeking help uh, with their debt, 51% of those are female and uh, 49% are male. But the interesting fact about that is that we did this, the same survey about three to four years ago. And back then, uh, the percentage of women were much bigger, um, you know, uh, than, than male applying for uh, debt review and therefore seeking help. So, uh, yeah, you can, you can argue that, um, you know, men are becoming more responsible in that regard or that, uh, more men are just becoming over indebted. And, uh, also with, we, we're seeing that a, a lot of people, 
uh, pay more of uh, than 75% of their salaries towards uh, uh, debt. And uh, that's a, a worrying number because uh, y- you should work out your finances and uh, Gerald will most probably be able to elaborate on that uh, to such an extent that uh, you, you have money available to save at the end of the day. You must be able to pay for all your living expenses and uh, then also pay your, your, your obligations in terms of your credit agreements, but then still at the end of the day have enough money to save and to put away. Um, what we also call it is an emergency fund because without an emergency fund um, you're in a very, very difficult situation what if something comes up like uh, death or sickness or in the family or your car breaks down um, and and you haven't made, provi- made provision for that um, then you can find yourself in a very difficult situation uh, interesting stats as well is that most of the people applying for debt review in fact more than 50 percent are in the ages of between 31 and 45. Um, now, that's, that's also indicative of the fact that, uh, you know, the middle-income people are the people that's uh, hit hardest by all these price increases that we're seeing and also the lower-income people. That's obviously uh, not to say that the higher-income people are not affected by all the price increases, but unfortunately we see that um, the lower- and middle-class people are affected uh, most by all these price increases and then the different types uh, of loans that people take out unfortunately what we see is the smaller smallest percentage of loan type of loan is home loans and um, home loans is obviously like you said earlier it's the most responsible loan that you can get because it's better to buy a house than to rent one if of course you can afford to do that um, the highest percentage of loans we see is uh, personal loans and then also store cards and the reason for that might also be the fact that uh, when the National Credit Act was introduced in 2007 it made provision for something called reckless lending now, the banks became very vigilant in giving out loans because, uh, you know, they didn't want to make an example of uh, with regards to reckless lending. So they were more vigilant when, give, when coming to uh, uh, home loans and vehicle finance where there were assets involved. Uh, but then the target moved to the unsecured loans like your personal loans, your credit cards and so on in order to make up for the money that they lost through the other loans. And unfortunately, people, most of the people taking out these loans um, are, first of all, some, a lot of people are not educated enough and a lot of people don't have access to legal representation. Uh, so if the uh, uh, you know, credit providers find themselves in a situation where these people come to them and say, look, this must have been reckless lending because I was never in a situation to afford this. Then they might just, you know, write off that loan and it's not going to make a big difference. Um, you know, so people, that's why it's very important for people to become financially educated and not, fi- um, you know, find themselves in a situation mm. where they go and borrow uh, uh, money and, and take out unsecured loans with exorbitant uh, interest rates. And uh, David Thompson says debt rescue is too late. We need proper financial planning, not red tape. And uh, let's hear from Lisiba in in Polokwane. Good morning. Morning, Fakina. Fakina, I just want to give you a situation here. I've been on debt review and uh, for last month about 
uh, seven to eight years, and I realized that that is not working. And ultimately, I decided to go for voluntary sequestration. But to tell you in brief what happened is, in my first six years of employment, I said I tried to balance my things properly, to balance my budget and to do everything so that even when the, the month end comes of next month, I still have something in my pocket. But it happened that due to some un, uh, unplanned situation, I had a major operation and I went for operation. When I came back, I came out of uh, that private hospital. I was all in the hospital and the doctors who helped me uh, about 580,000 rand. And we can pay 220. So I remained in debt for 260,000 rand that I was supposed to pay for my debt, from my pocket. And it was not possible. Then I had to start relying on small loans and and the credit card. You pay the credit card today and then wait for two days to be... Uh, that, that amount to be allocated and then you take it and you use it to pay something else. And then up until the, the time when uh, the, 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 the the NCA is, is introduced in 2007, I was one of the first people to apply for it on the 1st of, of July in 2007. But that process really, it never helped me. I complained several times to the NCR. They never even tried to help me. You can't believe that according to their rules, uh, within the first 90 days, you're supposed to be like, uh, I mean, within the, the, the first year, you're supposed to be like having a court order. It took me eight years without a, a court order, and I've been paying every time. When I started that process, I started with about uh, 18 uh, credit agreements. And then when I left, I was uh, having about six credit, uh, credit agreements, but the amount that I, I was still owing, it was almost 75% more than the, 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 the man that I started with. So I realized that that is not working. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think maybe, again, the, the NCR is also not doing us any good because when we are bringing these complaints about the, the, the people like the the, 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 uh, the, the rescue and the, the, the oxygen and the, and the others, they are not taking them seriously because they are they are friends. They sit with them. Some of them they are occupying positions in in in, in So that's why when we complain about these people, that these people are not giving us any good service, and then they they, mm. they can't take any decisions. I mean, any tough decisions against them because they are their friends. Okay. So they said to you, yeah, I was supposed to be helping, but it's not. Thank, Thank you, you so much for raising that, Lisiba. Luzuko agrees with you, says debt administrators, uh, administrators negotiate and pay our debts, but still you are in debt to them for even longer periods. And Unati Kwaza also weighs in on that, saying, I've heard stories where people trusted debt counselors with their money, but now they even more debt. So we'll pick up on that after the news break. Right now, news headlines uh, with Kumbuzile Tabete. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. And thank you so much for tuning in on the Forum at 8 this morning. We're talking about our financial spending habits and asking what are the contributing factors for South Africans to spend money they don't have. And this, uh, based on a report uh, by Debt Rescue, uh, that found that 23% of South Africans have some money left at the end of the month, but the 77% uh, that are left are just flat 
broke at the end of the month. So what are we spending our money on? What is happening? And um, uh, we were speaking to uh, Neil Roots, who's the CEO of Debt Rescue, still speaking to him, in fact. And um, uh, we drilled down uh, into those stats, and um, he confirmed that the type of debts that people are uh, mostly spending their money on, it's personal loans at 38.9%. You have credit cards at uh, 21.9%. Then you also have store cards at 22.5%. And home loans, the one that we should be uh, gunning for, only 2.43% of our debt. And then uh, also the age group, 31 to 45-year-olds, uh, they are most indebted, uh, 53% of people there. And uh, then also, um, you know, we were talking about, um, uh, there was something else uh, that I wanted to go to that uh, you also mentioned during the report. Ah. It's left my mind. It will come back. But let's just uh, quickly run through some of the calls. They've been there since uh, before the news break. So we're going to speak to uh, those callers and then we'll come back to pick up on uh, what the listeners were raising before the break about um, some of these interventions that actually leave people worse off. Uh, Tolani and Gladstorp, thanks for your time. Uh, good day, Sakina. Uh, Sakina. Uh, the, the answer is very hard to assist the middle class by, you know, coming up with the debt counseling, of which this debt counseling is not even assisting now the middle class because a lot of people who were applied for debt counseling after four months, five months, it just collapsed. Because when you send seventy point one to creditors to ask for a balance, they only negotiate not less than fifty percent. And then the person who owes a car, a home loan, personal loan, credit card. When you add all these fifty percent, it ends up taking more than fifty percent of the salary of the person who has 9,000 rand, and then he left 3,000 rand. And then four months down the line, the guy cannot leave it, you know, that amount. It was a good idea, but it's not helping. Thank you so much. Uh, Kolani, uh, Brian in Searsville, good morning. Hello, uh, Sakina. It's uh, Brian in Sagefield. Oh, in Sagefield. Good morning, Brian. We've got a big shock coming up in our local government elections later this year because our local DA municipality has just put out their budget and they have reduced the senior citizens' rebates dramatically. And Mr. Galloway wrote a letter in the local newspaper saying that his rates for. 105.1. The rates will be 540% increase. Now, this is going to put a lot of senior citizens into debt. I'll listen on the radio. Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, VLY in Bedford View, good morning. Hello, speaking. Uh, yes, we're listening, Vuyelwa. Now, I uh, just want to add on what the people said. I mean, the problems you bring it to yourself, number one, they, I said blacks, generally. We've got the, that syndrome of black tax. As soon as you start working, your mother or your father expect you to pay them home, expect them to bury them, to take your sisters to school. I mean, really, at the end of the day, how much are you taking home? Because you cannot afford all those things from your salary. And number two, there are people that, you know those ones, <laughs> like me, I don't have all this sense, sense stuff, DSTV, flat screen, WhatsApp, all that nyaga nyaga. I wash my own car, I clean my own home. I'm saving a lot. I don't complain. Whatsoever, anytime I want to go on holiday because I'm saving money for the duties for myself and I don't spend money unnecessary. And I don't worry about people's problems. I mean, why must I worry about burying my mother? 
because my mom was worried about burying me because he's the one who brought me to the planet. Hmm? Yes. Okay. That's yellow in Bedford View. Um, we're not going to get into discussing the nitty-gritties of that. But the point Vielwa makes is about black tax and, you know, how uh, having to take care of a, a family members and extended family members uh, impacts on our debt situation. Daphne uh, uh, on Twitter agrees, saying circumstances differ. I got into debt when I got a job uh, because I had to build my parents a house and pay fees for my brother. And Togozani Mkise also agree saying family affect our debt situation for the most of us so um let's try and answer a few of these okay let's start first with the issue of debt counseling debt review and people not being happy about that uh gerald let me start with you okay now the issue of debt counseling and debt review is that it's it's a measure that is available under the national credit act to try and help people negotiate debt repayment plans but the one thing we all must remember is that although now we all have hindsight and know what we should have done at the beginning, a financial contract is that. It's a contract. And when we enter into these arrangements, we should try and always know what we, we're getting ourselves into. I know that you know a lot of people say debt counseling, debt review is not working. For some people, it won't work. For some people who are highly and overly indebted, they need to go the route of the previous corner of actually, you know, just... Declaring themselves bankrupt and and really starting afresh. Um, we we must also take away this culture of when we've put ourselves into situations, we now blame the system and everything around us. Somebody should have told us. Um, someone who should have educated me. The the reality of getting out of debt is the first thing you need to accept is that you put yourself there and. Yes, whether it was through ignorance or lack of knowledge, you are still in that position. And to take yourself out, it is your responsibility. Most times when debt counseling fails, it's because the person who's being counseled puts the responsibility on the debt counselor um, to do all the payments. For example, even if you're on debt review or debt counseling every month, it's your responsibility to make sure those payments have been made and not the responsibility of the company um, who, you, who you recruited. So I think for the vast majority of people who can still get out of debt, they must simply seek help. For those who have not got into debt, about to make major financial decisions, the solution is to seek help. I think we have to reach a point where we, we reach an acceptance that if you are already overly indebted, the only step for you to get out might be, as Vielo is saying, is accepting and dealing with it, getting um, bankrupt and getting back onto your feet. Unfortunately, um, it's not a solution that will work for everyone because I think everyone wants a magic wand um, to be waved and everyone to be back to square zero. I think um, the black tax is also a, a, a real valid reason, but still, through the black tax, when you are about to build your parents' house, did you seek help? Did someone go through the numbers and tell you, look, this is what you can afford and manage the situation? Because one of the problems with black tax is that we seem to be unable to say no simply because it's family. And then that's the difficulty, isn't it? Uh, because uh, people almost feel a compulsion that they have to help in that situation. People helped you, so you have to help them, Gerald. Indeed, but in order for you to help someone, you need to be strong financially. And for some time, you need to build your credit record, your credit scoring, and to have the tools which will enable you to help others. Unfortunately, people don't realize that Everything is a process, even getting out of debt. You got yourself into this debt over 15, 20 years. Don't expect it to happen in three months. 
to take time. And the same thing, building wealth and creating wealth and helping others is a process. And I think us as a black community who are generally affected by this black tax syndrome need to perhaps have that social conversation, involve the professionals and say, look, what limit can I do to help my family? Yes, I'm obligated to do that, but if I put myself in financial ruin and I'm the only person who has an income, guess what? The entire family suffers. And that's exactly what's happening now in that the breadwinners, the professionals who are educated can't get jobs because they all have impaired credit they can't move jobs and they can't help mm. their families anymore. That's the reality. So perhaps one has to be cruel to be kind. But people also uh, worry, Neil, about uh, the impact that, you know, going under debt review, debt counseling would have on their credit profile. Yes, and uh, there's not really a need to worry about that because of the fact that when you apply for debt review and you're placed under debt review, what happens is that at the credit bureau, there's a flag placed behind your name indicating that you are under debt review. And then whilst you're under debt review, you're not allowed to take out further debt. But that's the whole idea is to get you debt free. And then once you've paid up all your debt or certain of your debt, um, especially your unsecured debt and you only have left your, your home loan, for instance, then we can issue you with a clearance certificate and that flag is removed from your name and you cannot see that that person has been under debt review. Now, if you compare that with um, what the previous callers also said, like Lesiba, um, who's been who had been under debt review for seven to eight years and then um, opted for sequestration. Uh, sequestration is a much more it's it's very harsh in the sense that uh, when you uh, uh, go for sequestration and. Uh, uh, you succeed in that because you can't always succeed in applying for sequestration. I'll get to that now. But if you do that, um, then uh, you are an insolvent and you must be rehabilitated before you can then apply for debt again. So that's going to take you, you, you will be rehabilitated automatically in 10 years time after you've been sequestrated um, but you can in certain um, instances apply for your rehabilitation in 5 years time. Now that's the thing with debt review, it's not that harsh um, and and yes in so, some cases it's better to opt for sequestration but people must also remember that uh, uh, you know, and, and I know that because I'm an attorney myself and we we also deal with sequestrations and uh, certain clients, um, you know, are advised to rather go the route of sequestration. But what happens is that a lot of the times when people apply for voluntary sequestration, the banks oppose those uh, sequestration applications. And that can cost a lot of money to then fight the banks to get yourself sequestrated. The reason for that is there must be a benefit for all the credit providers when you are sequestrated. And especially when there is a house involved. It's sometimes very difficult to get the sequestrations through, but it's also very true that in some cases, this is the best option. That's why we always evaluate the situation and see and, and try and determine what the best remedy will be for that particular client. And then also what uh, Lesiba touched on is that certain debt counselors, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, especially in the beginning of the industry, uh, uh, you know, and that was about eight years ago, they, they just placed the people under debt review. The processes wasn't really streamlined. Um, so it did happen that a lot of people placed uh, uh, consumers under debt review and did not apply for their court orders in time and so on. But the reason for that is 
is also that, uh, you know, in my opinion, debt review and debt counseling is nothing else but a legal process. Now, unfortunately, you will get a lot of debt counselors out there who doesn't have enough um, legal knowledge or experience to effectively handle your debt review. And that's why we encourage people to uh, go to debt counselors who's got enough legal knowledge uh, uh, to handle your situation. And then also to touch on that, uh, during the past couple of years, this, uh, the, the uh, 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 process has evolved um, uh, and the relationships between debt counselors and credit providers has also uh, evolved and reached a point where we're all working together now to make it better for uh, the consumer. So, um, yes, in the beginning there were some problems with debt review, but uh, for the most part, you know, all these uh, problems have been sorted out and uh, we help thousands of people to become over in, uh, or, or, or debt-free without losing their assets in the process. Let's throw in a few quick messages. Sajini Ndenze in Bloemfontein says, um, it is true, food prices, petrol prices are increasing almost every month, and that's the situation we are facing. Uh, Mava in East London says, we are wired to be consumers, and at to- on top of that, we are sold advertising a lifestyle that we cannot afford, that Jones syndrome. This one says, temporary jobs also contribute to the debt trap. Once the contract expires, you are tempted to loan and by then you have already built a credit record. So let's go back to the lines, 891 The question we're asking this morning, what are the contributing factors for South Africans to spend money that they don't have? Kifilwe in Johannesburg, good morning. Hi, 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 Sakina. You know, people spend because you don't know what is in their house. But when they walk out there with a Galaxy S6, it gives them esteem because you must remember apartheid has destroyed people's esteem. So to see them driving a BMW 3 Series, it's something that you can see, but you can't see where they sleep. And that for me is what the ANC government is failing to do because people get into debt because you can see them with a Galaxy S6, a BMW. The, the problem is People are not being educated. And let me tell you, the second people who are making poor people even poorer are the banks, the lawyers, and these called debt, what, what, debt, what. These people who say will consolidate your debt and then will speak for you and then they charge you. And Machonisa. That is why I'm saying we need a second economy. And one of the second economies that is freeing people of debt is Triple M. Lucia must wake up. We can't walk into the shoes of the Nationalist Party. Poor people are made poor by the ANC government. All right. Thanks so much, Kivilwe in Johannesburg. Um, uh, Solly in Cape Town, good morning. Morning, Sakina, and morning to your team. Sakina, the greatest evil in this world that will never relieve the working class and the poor is a thing called interest. The government has allowed all these people to be charged anything up to 32% interest compounded. And after that, there are so many additional charges of insurance, this charge, that charge. The poor man ends up with 40 and 50% interest, which will never come out of life. Then is the reckless lending that goes on. And when all this is done, then he ends up by a debt counselor, which your esteemed guest has not told you, 
how much they charge. I have taken the responsibility of look at all my employees that work from me. And when you realize that even if uh, I'm going to name them, whether they like them or when Lewis was brought to court and showed that a 3,000 rent TV was 10,000 rent at the end and how it was reckless lending and how they robbed the poorest of the poor like JD and not one of them was arrested or brought to court or to answer. It lies entirely with the authorities. They've allowed this reckless lending. Rockefeller was not wrong when he said the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest and interest charge. And the worst part is now when you get when you can't even get out of it, then you go to the so-called debt counselors, and they don't tell you how much they charge. That's another great business. Half of what you give them goes in their pocket. The poor, the working class, and those good people will never get out of this because it is those that are robbing them every day and making their life a misery. Until the government gets up, stops this madness of 28, 30, and 40% interest, the poor will always be poor. And they- Oh, we lost Solly there in Cape Town. Uh, but I think we, 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 we got the gist of uh, his contribution. Uh, Yaj is also in Cape Town. Good morning. Morning, Sakina. <clears throat> um, the last two callers made some very good points. The entire situation is quite deplorable you know, and doesn't bode well for the economic future. And you know, the, the underlying this whole system is a debt-based finance system whereby 97% of our money supply is created by private banks when they issue loans. This is created out of thin air using the fractional reserve banking system, and we need to address that. Secondly, we need to introduce a universal basic income to support people both working and unemployed. Every citizen should be entitled to a basic income which does not need to be funded out of taxation. It can be done by new money created by the Reserve Bank. We need to look at full reserve banking. Many countries are looking at that Switzerland is having a referendum on full reserve banking and ending fractional reserve banking. So is Iceland. The Parliament of Iceland is studying that. Many countries are looking at a basic income. Switzerland is having a referendum next month on the 5th of June. The Netherlands is looking at it, Finland, Canada, New Zealand, and so on. Thank you so much, Yaj in Cape Town. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll get our um, panel to respond and we'll wrap it up. The month of May is National Energy Month. The Department of Energy encourages you to join it in its campaign to save energy and learn more about energy efficiency. It calls upon the building sector and businesses to adopt at least one energy-saving measure during this month and to encourage employees to save energy. Visit www.energy.gov.za for more information and for a list of tips to help you save energy. Save energy. It's in your hands. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. According to uh, the latest report by Debt Rescue, South Africans, um, 23% of them at least, have 
some money left by the end of the month, but the 77% that are left, they are flat broke come end of the month. So this morning uh, we've been discussing what the contributing factors are for South Africans to spend money that they don't have. Our guest, uh, Gerald Mwandambira, who's Chief Strategist at South African Savings Institute and Neil Roots, CEO of Debt Rescue. Okay, so let's try to run through those comments there very quickly. Um, Kifiwe was talking about the whole issue of self-esteem um, as uh, perhaps, you know, some reason for why people spend on the things that they do spend on. Uh, but Solly and Yaj uh, speaking more to the system, uh, the banking system and, and, and regulations around interest rate and also talking about um, uh, the full reserve banking system that Yaj made reference to, Neil. Yes, Kafilwe touched on, um, you know, the, what people refer to as trying to keep up with the Joneses. Um, it's, just that it's, it's a habit of people, unfortunately, and um, that's something that we have to control and, um, you know, make sure that we spend money that we can afford to spend and not um, causing ourselves to become over-indebted because we just want to impress other people. That's not going to bring you far at all. Um, and then what Sali uh, touched on is... Uh, uh, more like you said in the banking system, like the interest rates and uh, the reckless lending. And that's something that's really true. And um, that's why I said earlier on, if there's one thing that government did right, it's implementing the National Credit Act, because the National Credit Act actually prevents uh, the banks from charging too much interest and to to um, give out reckless loans. So, um, you know, this gives us something or the consumer something uh, you know, to fight the uh, banks with if they do find themselves in a situation when they received reckless loans or when they have been overcharged with regards to the interest. Uh, we've seen an amendment to the National Credit Act recently um, where caps has been placed um, on on, on, and limits has been placed on the interest that's allowed to be charged. And then one thing that uh, Salia also mentioned was that um, debt counselors uh, do not, uh, you know, disclose their fees that they charge and mm. they almost charge you half of the money um, that you are paying. Now, um, with all due respect, Sali is ill-informed um, of that because, uh, you know, you have to, in terms of the act, uh, inform the consumers what they are paying the debt counselor. And to give you that fees, uh, you know, the fees are worked out from the first month. You only pay the amount that you can afford to pay towards your credit providers. The debt counselor is then entitled to receive that first month payment up to 6,000 rand. So, if and we do get people who's got a very big income, they pay towards that we work out a repayment plan where they have to pay their credit providers, for instance, thirty thousand rand a month. Um, but our fee is limited and capped at six thousand rand um, once off, and there's a recurring fee of four hundred or or five percent of the amount that's paid to the credit providers mm. with a limit of uh, 400 rand a month. Now, if, if you look at the files that we're working with, um, there's so much admin going into those files. There's so much expertise going into those files. There's so much um, legal advice going into that files. And the relationships that we've built up over the years with the uh, credit providers, the, the consumer get all those benefits. That all for a mere, let's say, a maximum of 6,000 rand a month. Let's say the consumer, for instance, can only pay, afford to pay 2,000 rand a month uh, towards mm -hmm. his credit providers. Then that means that uh, he's paid 
2,000 rand to get my advice um, every month to get me to work with all these credit providers. And some of these people have like 20 credit providers. Now, you have to sit in haze with these people mm. all the time. So at the end of the day, to be honest with you, um, with regard to the debt counseling fees that are uh, actually regulated by the national credit um, regulator, it's actually a bargain to put it that way. Mm. So, um, I've, uh, and, and also it's uh, included into the repayment plan towards a credit provider. And then on top of that, you get protection from the act and okay. um, given by the debt council. So I don't think that's an issue at all. And with all mm. due respect, I think Sally is ill-informed. Quick uh, parting shot from Gerald because we're out of time. Okay. I think the, the main thing to remember here, which has been coming through the discussion, is that seek help. There's someone out there who knows more than you. There's a debt counselor who can put you through debt review, etc., or a financial planning professional who can help you to stay out of in the first place. That's important. Seek help if you're in this situation. Don't try and solve the situation on your own. Also, South Africa is a developing country with a first world banking system. Credit is not a right. Credit is a privilege which should be treated as and you should earn it. And if you don't qualify for credit, that also is a reality of many people in Africa and in developing countries. Mm. And we need to start accepting who we are as a nation, that we're an African country which is developing. And a lot of these things, yes, because of lack of education, we've brought ourselves into this mess. Sometimes we need to make a clean break. That clean break might be painful for some people. Well, that's uh, Gerald Mwanambira and uh, Neil Roots, uh, CEO at Debt Rescue. Thank you so much for your time this morning. And it just reminded me there about, you know, first world, third world situations. And I realized that in Tanzania when people told me they didn't, uh, they couldn't buy a car and credit, I almost fell on my back. But that's where we have to leave it this morning. Thank you so much. Time now for the latest news with Kumbuzile Tabete.